The Way Out Podcast, episode 75. I'd say maybe fourth or fifth grade, sixth grade, so fourth or fifth grade, I started to realize that I was mm, I'm not up to par with my classmates. Mm. I don't feel the same, you know? Mm. I just knew that I didn't fit in. Yeah. I didn't seem to yeah. fit in. Yeah, I just felt different because I'm not I'm not the doctor's kid and I'm not the engineer's kid. A friend a friend introduced me to pot and that just it literally changed everything overnight. Not to sound cliche because I've heard it a thousand times, but it, it was the it was the the black and white world and Wizard of Oz going to color. Sure. That's exactly what it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Music sounded it better. All made mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It all made yep. sense at that point. Yep. From then on, uh, it was just a question of where can I get some more? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I need to do to get it? And what else, you know, what else can I take? can take its place if I can't find any. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on this week's installment of The Way Out, sharing stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. The Way Out does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. Our purpose is to share with you, one episode at a time, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. The Way Out podcast is sponsored by Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Make sure to check out the official website of The Way Out Podcast at www.wayoutcast.com. There you will find links to our latest episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Radio FM. You can also follow The Way Out Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Help us get the message out that lifelong recovery from alcoholism and addiction is possible by giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform the way out podcast is on right now i'm charlie and i'll be your host for this week's episode as we partake in the first of a two-part series with a very special guest one i'm proud to call my friend and mentor in my own recovery you'll notice a number of elements typically included in the podcast conspicuously absent from this week's and next week's episodes most evident perhaps is you will never hear our guest's name uttered even once a condition i only learned of moments before the interview began second the length of sobriety accumulated by our guest never comes up not because it was a condition of the interview simply because the preference was for you the way out podcast listener to identify with the story not with the personality or with the length or lack thereof, of sobriety time. You're in for an absolute treat in part one of my interview with, well, just listen Welcome to the Way Out Podcast. I can't thank you enough, brother, for being on the show and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. And uh, uh, this is Exploratory Radio, man. We're going to 
attack uh, as much or as little about each part of your story uh, and your journey to recovery and each phase of it as you want. So you get to you get to drive the bus. How do you feel about that? I am not in control. Uh, you know, I am not in control of this thing. <laughs> I'm not driving no bus. <laughs> How long did it take you to uh, come to that? Well, uh, that's probably later in the story. So tell me, man, tell me what uh, it was like for you growing up, you know, and what um, what was family of origin like? You're, uh, you're going to get the whole thing, I guess. Yep, um, we're going we're gonna to go from the origin story, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to say I had a very abnormal childhood growing up in the fact of either my parents drank, didn't have it in the house, wasn't surrounded by it. To me, that's abnormal. <laughs> in our world, it is. I don't, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't think like that. I, obviously, I was, you know, had friends and, and whatnot uh, um, who drank and, and relatives and stuff, but in my immediate household, they didn't have anything. Um, so not your typical alcoholic, if there is a typical alcoholic household. Um, anyway, the, so growing up, I was, um, I grew up in a, in a semi-small town. There were, there were two major employers in town and, uh, the, I'm trying to think, you know, my, it's a long time ago, so the, uh, the memory isn't quite all there, but <clears throat> growing up in a, into about, I'd say maybe fourth or fifth grade, sixth grade, so fourth or fifth grade, I started to realize that I was, mm, I'm not up to par with my classmates. Mm. I don't feel the same, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I'm, and I'm living in the part of town where I'm going to school with a lot of doctor's kids. I grew up in a town where there's a big hospital, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. big clinic mm-hmm. type of thing. So you either worked for this clinic, big old hospital, the big old hospital or the other place. Right. And and so a lot of my friends had parents who worked at the other place, mm-hmm. you know, top engineers getting paid big bucks. Sure. Or whatever. Sure. Um, my my mom didn't graduate high school until I started to get close to graduating high school. She, was, sure. she went back for a GED. Okay. Um, my dad was, um, he worked for the clinic, but not as a doctor. He worked as like a janitor, basically. Sure. To, right. Taking care of animals. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. So you got really early on were a uh, very perceptive of the socioeconomic status or lack thereof your family had in a town that seemed to be full of folks that had relatively high socioeconomic status. I, I guess so. That makes me sound really smart. <laughs> and I wasn't that smart. I just knew that I didn't fit in. Yeah. I didn't seem to yeah. fit in. You know, I wasn't aware of that, obviously, yeah. but yeah. The, the stuff that you talked about. But um, yeah, I just felt different because I'm not not the doctor's kid and I'm not the engineer's kid. I'm just You say different? Did you feel like you maybe weren't good enough or Yes, yeah. very much so. I did not measure up to my to my uh surroundings or people. Right. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not good enough. And so that kind of sets it up for from the beginning. Um 
I I had some childhood friends, not a whole lot. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I guess as many as any other typical kid does at, mm-hmm. at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, maybe a small handful or whatever, 5, 10, 15 kids in the neighborhood, whatever. Um, I want to... I had this. I had this kind of, I guess, a spiritual connection with, with the music that I was listening to, and I think that's important to, to bring up, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But, um, so that you know that I guess kind of became my my. My friend, and, and even more so later in life, mm. about that development and mm. uh, you know, realizing that I can I can kind of escape through mm-hmm. that music mm. in, in a sense, but. Uh, so, anyway, we jump ahead a couple of years, and, and uh, that was your first really maybe real escape was music. No, no, I don't know. It, again, foggy mm-hmm. memory. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know which mm-hmm. came first, the mm-hmm. the chicken or the egg. Right. But, um, uh, it was definitely a friend. A friend introduced me to pot, and that just. It literally changed everything overnight. In what way? Not to sound cliche, because I've heard it a thousand times, but it, it was the it was the the black and white world and Wizard of Oz going to color. Sure, that's exactly what it was. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Music sounded it better. All made mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. It all made yep. sense at that point. Yep. And uh, from then on. Uh, it was just a question of where can I get some more? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I need to do to get it? And what else, you know, what else can I take, can take its place if I can't find any? And, you've, and that worked really well. <laughs> so you have this experience with pot that's magical. Like, you, you know, I can see it, you know, when you talk about it. Like, this, this thing is magic. This does something for me that... I could not do for myself and you wanted that as often as possible absolutely why wouldn't I want to feel like that because it made me feel somewhat normal Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. did it make those things all those things go away I mean you know so let me stop right there because I identify today as an alcoholic because I suffer from alcoholism not because of the drug of choice that I used Mm -hmm. certainly I drank but there was that wasn't that wasn't even my go-to thing at all. You know, I was I was young when I started. I was like twelve, I want to say twelve or thirteen. Could have been eleven for all I know, but who cares? Mm-hmm. It's you know, once I started, it was it was a lot easier to get illegal substances than it was Definitely. to grab Definitely. a bottle of booze somewhere Definitely. because it's not in the house. Right. And even if it was in the house, it's limited supply. I can relate to that. When I was right. growing up, it was a lot easier to get pot growing up than it was to get booze before I was 21. And it's not close. I could get pot in inside of 15 minutes, 99% of the time, no problem, right? Mm-hmm. And it was an act of God to get booze <laughs> at 16 yeah, years old. it was a it special was, treat. It was absolutely <laughs> that, absolutely. 
Correct. I mean, and I say this uh, on this show quite a bit. My next door neighbor was a pot dealer, right? And he would answer his private line because his parents enabled him to such a high degree that he had his own space in the garage for which he could use for dealing his drugs and his own private phone line for which he could transact (laughs) such deals. Yeah. Right. And he would answer the phone, Joe's Pizza, how can I help you? And he wasn't selling pizza. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have friends like that, too. (laughs) Crazy. Good God, man. I remember going to see a friend of mine. He lived in another town, smaller town, and and, uh, I was trying to buy some stuff, you know, and and he takes me out to his front yard. And there on the side of the street, like in some bandanas, is, is all this pot that he's got drying out. Yeah, right. Just like in, the in front of God right. and everybody, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's no big deal because there's no police in this town and I do whatever I want. It's <laughs> like, God, God, like, man. Like he's drying out chives. You're right. like God to me. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, that guy. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, so you identify as an alcoholic because you identify with the things that make you, that that are the prerequisites for being an alcoholic. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But tell me a little bit about how pot especially, but drinking as well, or anything else, uh, as you uh, uh, in embark on your uh, career of drug and alcohol use how does that impact your life what happens where does it go man i mean yeah so you know again it's uh, a lot of that is foggy at best mm-hmm. um i and i can relate to that you know, man even, i can relate to that i mean even though it's it's a blatant lie i mean i'm sure i was sober at one point but it was like i was stoned from day one mm-hmm until I got sober, because mm-hmm. there was just there was a lot of in between there, mm-hmm. obviously. But mm-hmm. um, you know, in whatever old age, maybe might be playing a part of that too. But I'm not that old. Um, I would the, think too, like maybe it's, it's like hard. This. It's hard for me to get back to that point. You yeah. know, sometimes there's 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 memories there for sure. But there's there's parts of that time frame that it's it's really hard for me to get back to. Um, so much so that it's just not even there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a lot of it that's just missing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want I want to say, thank God I had I had I must have had really attentive parents, um, and also the fact of like, if I look at the Jelnick chart for me, it was more like bucket shaped. Because it was, it fell off pretty quickly. Sure. Yeah. And so I started dealing with consequences, and and you know, of course, I'm in school, so bad grades and missing school, and and you name it, you know. Yeah. So the red flags are flying off. Right. Right. right, Exactly. So so, like, I don't know. I want to. Again, it's foggy. You know, within a year or two, I'd say definitely within the first two years. Um, I started seeing psychiatrists, and they, you know, they don't know what's wrong with me. I'm right. denying everything. Right. Of course, right. they're like, sure. "Are you on drugs?" Right. Of course not. No. What are you talking right. about? What you right. know? Blah blah blah. Right. Right. So, but 
family members, parents are noticing changes, yes. right, yep. in you yep. Yep. and in your personality and, and withdrawing, how and withdrawing. And yeah. this is this is the part where maybe I'm starting to become a little bit more attuned to the to the musical sure. side of it. Yeah, you know? sure. So yep. that's why I say I don't know what came first, right. but, but I, you're, I know you're, there was a fascination with it before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're starting to withdraw into this sort of yeah, your own my own little world. world. My own little world. Um, I like to I like to say that we as, as practicing alcoholics or drug addicts, we wear a lot of hats that we're not capable of wearing. Explain that. Um, yeah, so I, I got two stories for you. Well, actually, one story that kind of blends together. So, growing up, and you know, I had some friends who lived on the on the the other side of kind of Main Street, and so I was I was down that way. Um, I got to back up for a second. So I'm in a body cast at this point, and I Whoa. don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. So I was in not a full body cast, but so I, I had hurt my back somehow. Okay. Still don't know what happened, but okay. let's, you know, All right. whatever. I hurt my back somehow. And uh, so I'm in a cast from basically like the, the upper part of my chest down to my groin. So then, like, you and, know, and another, so basically from nipples to, yeah. And then, a, and then another piece goes down my leg. Okay. Wow. So I have, I'm, yeah. I'm so yeah. they want to keep me straight, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yep. I got very limited mobility, sure. let's say. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to ride a bike with one foot because the other one can't move because it's locked up. That's right. That's pretty impressive. Right. So I'm biking across, not really across town, but I'm biking over to a friend's house. And uh, and there was, a, there was a house nearby him that was like the party house, you know, that we knew about. Mm. And so I don't know what happened. Maybe they got kicked out or evicted or whatever, but nobody lived there for months. Mm -hmm. And I wandered by and there's this, here's this, this pot plant growing in the yard. And, and in my recollection, it was, you know, five feet tall. It could have been six inches. I don't know, you know, but in my mind, it was like, you know, probably every bit of four feet or whatever. So, and this is the part where the hat comes on. Suddenly, I am like the world expert on plants and how to grow them and where to grow them. And it's just, it's magic, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, I need to dig this thing up and I'm going to take it up into the woods so I can harvest this stuff. Now I don't have to buy it because now I got my own. It's probably crap anyway, you know, but at least it's something. Right. So I dig this thing up carefully because the, the, horticult- bot- the, the, the botanist and the, the horticulture <laughs> expert that I am, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I dig this up, and I and now I go back to the other side of town. So I'm I'm and up this really big steep hill, which because I only have one leg now mm-hmm. I'm I'm basically I'm hopping up this hill with a bike <laughs> and a pot plant, <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah. So I get up to the woods to, to, to go, you know, replant this thing. Uh-huh. And again, the thought suddenly occurs to me like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? As the horticulture expert that I am, this is going to be way better off down by the river. The soil is going to be so much better. <laughs> so I'm like, man, this was brilliant. I got to go back to like where I came from, basically. So down this steep hill across this busy street on my bike, you know, but thank God for that hill because now I got some speed and I got some momentum behind me and 
just as I fly across the street heading towards the river, out of the corner of my eye, I see this cop coming. And I'm like, he didn't see me. He didn't see me. Oh, shit. And I dropped the plant because now all of a sudden, new hat. I'm James Bond. I can get away from this. I know how to get. I know this neighborhood like the back of my hand. Right. I drop the right. plant. I freaking hide. Yep, yep. I hide in this little thing. Sure. And I wait. And I'm like, okay. It's been like an hour. In reality, it was probably a minute. But but in my mind, it's like it's been forever. I am James Bond. I got away from the cops. I got to go back now. I don't know if he picked up that pot plant or not. But and so I come out of this building where I've been hiding at, and there's the guy waiting for me. (laughs) Shit. Oh man, I'm busted. So he he puts my bike in the back of his squad car and hauls me downtown and, and, you know, that whole thing. And and, uh, parents are called and there's another trip to psychiatrist or whoever um, that starts. But that's my... That wasn't the end of it by any means. It was it was just a it was just a, a portion there that I remember and I like to talk about that because it's you know, that's my my insane crazy thinking was that number one, I'm a horticulture expert and number two, I can get away from the cop car with basically a leg that doesn't work. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> and that's my best thinking you know got me to that point so you know I guess from from there it was it was a series of um, outpatient treatments I guess we'll mm-hmm. call them because mm-hmm. that's essentially what it was mm-hmm. even though it wasn't a group it was just kind of it was it was it was it was if there was a if, if there was a step between um a one-on-one psychologist and an outpatient treatment, this was it. Sure. Okay. So in and out of that. So obviously there's some sobriety there because now all of a sudden I'm getting checked and tested and people yep. are checking up on me. Yep. So yep. Um, yep. you got eyes on you. Right. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, again, I don't know what kind of time frame this was. Might have been, I, let's just say, after three meetings, I'm good. Yeah, you know, obviously, right. I don't have a problem. Right. These people don't know what the hell they're talking right. about, and I back off to it again. And, and this cycle continues for the next couple of years, you know? And, uh, and that was it. There was another... Did you find yourself, when you were going through the therapy and the treatment... Assessing quickly what it was going to take for you to be able to navigate through it as quickly as possible so that you could get back out and do what you want to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was, I don't belong here. Right, you know, right. Like making this a bigger right. deal out of this and what right. it is. Right, right. And so a bit dramatic here. I just here. had some right. bad exactly. luck, right. you know, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. There's nothing really wrong with me. No, you guys there's are being nothing, a little dramatic. There's nothing wrong right. with me at all. Right. It's the rest of the people. Yep. So I'm going to calculate very quickly what I need to do yeah. in order to be able to get through this as quickly as possible and, and as un- and then return just, back to my right. life yeah. that worked. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's very well put. So there was another there was another instance where. 
so so now that I'm in this body cast, I can't go to school anymore. So I'm getting basically I'm getting homeschooled yeah. from a tutor comes in mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, and there was a point here where um, so I got this like a really sexy tutor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She wore skin yeah. outfits and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. No such luck, probably. I don't remember anything yeah, about yeah. her. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just remember I remember getting up one morning, and, and this was a part, this was this was a, one of those times of, like, supposedly in sobriety, you know, that I, without acknowledging that, but I just, I need to be clean for a while. And... And you know, shape up and get these people off. Yeah, my because back, I've got a lot of I've got a lot yeah. of heat right now. So I I'd gotten up in the morning and this this lady's coming over to to, to school me basically, and I I'm like oh I need so I walked down to the gas station to get some cigarettes and mm-hmm. and and there was a friend of mine there, and uh, and the guy who worked there obviously, and they're passing a joint back and forth, and they just hand it to me, and I didn't think about it, and the next thing I knew, I was like wow, I am so flipping stone mm-hmm. right now and I go mm-hmm. back home <laughs> and I'm just higher than a kite and yeah. I just I can't even function mm-hmm. and so now this tutor shows up and and uh, you know I'm just whoops I, right. yeah, I'm just gone I'm just gone and at one point um, at one point I was like oh I had to go I had to go back upstairs to my room to get something and and the the very foggy recollection is my mom yelling up to me are you coming back down? I think I'd been up there for like way too long. You know, to me, I'm like, I just got up here. What the heck is going on? You know, what the hell, man? Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that's, it. That's the part of my story that I, that, that I relate to, you know, when... I have no defense against that. I had every intention. I didn't have any intention of getting high that day. It was just going down, right. getting some cigarettes. Right. I got this tutor coming over thing, right. and you know, right. I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta be, be straight. straight. I yeah. gotta, I gotta measure yeah. up to this thing. Yeah, I got heat on me right now, and it wasn't even yeah. a thought. Right, it wasn't even a yeah, thought. Right, like, oh yeah, so, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right. So again, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem. I don't think I have a problem. Mm. Um. <clears throat> I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm really convinced that I don't have a problem. So much so that, and now this is a maybe a year later mm-hmm. or a couple months later. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember, but uh, there was a there was a big kind of everybody's going to treatment phase back when I was growing up, and this was kind of early '80s. Mm-hmm. Well, '83 to be exact. Mm-hmm. And um, so some of my some of my friends had, had gone off to, to treatment, mm-hmm. you know, didn't really know anything about it. It was kind of a badge of honor, I guess, at some yeah, point. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, so by this by this time, I had a, a very small group of friends, you know, that, that, that I hung out with. And there was maybe six or seven of us, and that's really all I needed. I didn't, I wasn't. I could care less about anybody else. You weren't trying school. to win popularity no, contests. I was, I was. I could care less about anybody else I was going to high school with. Right. You know. Right. That it just didn't matter. Yeah, I had a core my, group of friends. I had and my core group of friends, and and one of them had gone off to treatment. So so my mom comes to me one day and she says, "What do you think about going to treatment?" And I was like, "Ooh, well, hey, badge of honor, and hey, can I go where where my friend is?" Absolutely. <laughs> I said, "Sure." 
I said, sure, because what are they going to do? They can't keep me there. I don't right. have a problem with this. Right. And and so I stopped. I stopped at that point because now I'm like, I'm going to test Queen when I go. Sure. Because there, there's no way they can keep me. Right. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So I stopped, and like three days later, I'm off treatment. That was my plan. That was my plan. I set that up like well in advance of like, nope, I'm just, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be free of all this stuff. And they're going to realize that I'm not one of them and they can't keep me there. And and then pretty soon I'll be back. Take a short pause from this week's episode for another edition of Recovery Revealed. A chance to take a closer look at a particular aspect of recovery. Anonymity within the 12-step recovery community is an often misunderstood an increasingly underappreciated principle in recovery. This podcast, though very much publicly accessible, is intentionally not affiliated with any 12-step organization, nor do we speak on behalf of any recovery organization, 12-step or otherwise. As the disclaimer at the front end of each episode makes very clear. I myself, though very open and public about my own recovery, do not publicly associate myself with any particular 12-step organization that is quite deliberate. Though the 12 steps and 12-step literature are an integral part of my recovery, it is of paramount importance my name does not get attached to any 12-step recovery organization, where anonymity is at the very foundation of those organizations' ongoing viability. When I speak of my experience, strength, and hope, and others theirs on this podcast it is with the the sincerest desire to help our fellow addicts and alcoholics in recovery with the spiritual truths and experiential wisdom that can only be born out of the often bitter and hard-won experience of our own lives regardless of any personal affiliation i may or may not have with any particular recovery organization The true purpose of this podcast is to share amazing recovery stories from all types of recovery methodologies straight from the mouths of the people whom have recovered. The real truth of the matter is there is no monopoly on recovery, and true open-mindedness and willingness brings a veritable cornucopia of recovery wisdom to those earnestly willing enough to seek it out, whether it be smart recovery, 12-step faith-based, yoga-inspired, or some combination of any of these. We can all learn from each other's experiences if we're humble enough to be teachable and willing enough to learn from each other. Now back to the rest of this week's episode. Listen up. The way I smoked pot was a lot like these guys drank. Yeah. You know, the hiding and the the manipulating the planning the planning yeah exactly i'm still kind of in that denial thing but Mm -hmm. i realized in order to get out i need to i need to kind of walk the walk so to speak in order otherwise they could keep me here freaking who knows how long right yeah and the 12 steps were painted up on the wall Mm -hmm. it was gigantic and i Mm -hmm. remember sitting in that in that gymnasium at one point looking up at these 12 steps and i'm like i remember consciously thinking there's no way that this is going to work Right, there is failure (laughs) written throughout this whole thing. I got nothing to lose because I, you know what? So now I'm smart enough to go. If I get through this thing, I can get out. Right. Number one. Right. Number two. 
they're gonna say you didn't apply yourself. Right. So now my brain, my my, my yeah. thinking is working against me yeah. without me knowing it. Right. And I say, damn it, they're not gonna say that to me. Right. I am gonna do these to the best of my ability. Sure. When it fails, I told you so. Right. You know, because I know it's right. gonna fail. Right. I know it's not gonna right. work. I got nothing to worry about. Don't forget, the way we get the message out to those who still suffer is to give this podcast a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. My yeah, friend. And you get to go tell mom that, look, I've, I, I, clearly I am not an addict. I don't have a problem. And correct, I can go back to doing what I need to do and living the way I want to live. Yep. Exactly. Plus, if you're like me, when people went to treatment and I went to treatment, they came back and they had a whole new Rolodex of hookups. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? Like, uh, a roll. <laughs> you, you learn a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah. there. It's like, yeah. almost like going yeah. to prison. Yeah. Yes, and they Which come I back and they're like, before. dude, uh, before I went, I only knew how to get pot from two people. Now I can get pot from six different people. I can get meth. I can get acid. I yeah. can get shrews. I yeah. can get all of it. All of it, right? So they had all the hookups, you know, yeah. after they went to treatment. So I so I get there and and uh, it was it was uh, early March here in Minnesota and it's snowing. I just remember one day in this. I'll try to describe this, but it, there was so there was one day in treatment there, and I you know so I met some pretty cool people there. Yeah, and and of course my friend is there, and and I'm having a good time. You know, even though I'm kind of locked up and whatever, right? <laughs> Somewhat, you know. But okay, I'm done, man. I'm done. I, like I've been here long enough, right. and you guys aren't letting me out yet. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. So now I get the thought of like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done with this thing. And you realize, like, well, what did I get myself into? Right. Here? Exactly. Yeah. Like, what did I sign this up for? This was supposed to be kind of a field trip. And so I remember, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna escape, man. I'm getting out of this freaking nut house, and and I was on kitchen detail or something, and I was in the kitchen, and I was planning on leaving, and I look out the door, and it's just, it's. The, like the worst snowstorm I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and all I see is is what was a cornfield, yeah. you know? And I'm like, oh, my God, where am I? What have I done? <laughs> How did I get here? And there's no way I'm, I, I don't even, I don't even have clothes on. I got pajamas on. <laughs> I got pajamas on. There's no they way. Took my clothes away. <laughs> there's no way you're escaping during Snowmageddon. Yeah, there's right. no way in hell I'm getting out of here. And I'm like, oh <laughs> my this god, the, this is the this worst. This is horrible. What did I do? What did I do? So like, you know, again, I don't know. Time frame. It could have been the next day. It could have been another week or so. But eventually, I'm sitting back in group and and. Uh, and there's a you know there's a whole group of us there probably 20 of us or 15 or whatever and i'm starting to get kind of you know the mannerisms down and what they're talking about sure. a little bit and yeah. trying to finagle my way through this the thing. treatment game yeah exactly yeah. And, the, and the counselor looks at me and he's like so what do you think about all this and i'm like well uh you know what i started to come off like really positive and and he stopped me like mid-sentence and he's like you're not doing what you need to do. You're out of here. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> He's like, we got a ride coming for you. And I'm like, okay. Okay. 
so so I'm out. What they didn't tell me was that I'm just I'm just transferred to another facility. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. So I'm like, all right, so all right, so I'm out of here. Uh, now the whole reason I came here was just kind of hang out with my friend, and now I don't have that. So I get in these. In the, in, I'm in this in this car with these two guys, and I'm in my freaking pajamas because they took my clothes away. Right. That was a thing back then, and they're driving me to some place that now I, and I I really don't have a clue as to what's going on. Obviously somebody does, but they didn't clue me in on it. So I get to this I get to this new place, you know, and in your jam jams in my yeah in my jam jams. <laughs> And uh, I get there, and it's like, you know, like the next day, I, I wandered into to what, I didn't know this at the time, but what was to become my counselor. And here's this, this older lady, you know, kind of, she's probably in her, she's probably in her 40s, I'd say, early 40s. That is super old. It's super old. Yeah. To a 16-year-old, that is <laughs> super, super old. freaking old. She's, she's old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like 50 now. What are you doing? <laughs> 39. 39. And, and holding. <laughs> 39 and holding. <laughs> yeah. So I walk into this lady's office, and she starts talking to me about her addiction about her use of of drugs and she was a nurse that happened to be a nurse in the hospital that's now a treatment center mm. and she starts talking to me about the way she used and mm. what she used and, and how she did it and, mm. and and she looked at me and she says are you if I give you your clothes back are you gonna run and I said no because I want my clothes back yeah you know my mind I just no okay and she trusted me, which was odd. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that started my that started my then treatment, and uh, again met a lot of cool people. Now, what what was unique about this situation was that. I am now in the midst of adults. So the people that are in my group are anywhere from probably early 20s mm -hmm. to late 70s. Sure. So you're not any longer I in am, the adolescent. I am a right? whole separate entity now. Right. You know, right. And I'm, now I got this. Yeah. This isn't the cool adolescent treatment program where you're in for right. 28 days and out back using right. again in 28 yeah, days right. and that's what i figured right you know i'm like because i had already heard this well i'd right. already been right i'd already been at this other place right. for three weeks right so i'm like oh god in the worst case scenario this is going to go on for another four weeks you know right. or best case scenario i'm out i'm out in a week um anyway and uh so unbeknownst to me you know, my dad, being that he worked at the big hospital, has really good insurance. <laughs> so he can keep you in as long as he wants. All yeah. said and done, I was there for six weeks and two days. Okay. Yeah, that's my. Yeah. Not that I was yeah. keeping track. 
So uh-huh. nine weeks and two days for somebody who doesn't have a problem. Right. And somewhere along that line, I started to pick stuff up. And, and you know, again, my, my, my counselor, and I give her a lot of credit for that, and the people around me, you know, I started realizing that. And how old are you at I'm 16. Point? You're 16 or something. I'm 16. Okay. Yeah. But I started to, I started to realize that, you know, the way the way I smoked pot was a lot like these guys drank. Yeah. You know, the hiding and the the manipulating. The planning. And, and the planning. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not only that, but, but I started, like you were saying earlier about, man, this is, this is where I learned to do stuff right. Right. You know, so I don't get into trouble with right. this. Right. So This is how, where I learned to manage my addiction right, better. Right. Like, I started right. to learn about whole a great hiding spots. Right. Really. Right. You know? Yep. From, from mm-hmm. the people that have been doing this for, <laughs> for a while. a long time. And I'm like, right. wow. Mm-hmm. This is... Never thought about that. Yeah, this right. is really good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep track of this. No, I can really manage this thing. Exactly. So, you know, that was a lot of... That was six weeks of. That was six weeks of hell. It mm-hmm. was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. At some point. At some point during those six weeks, things changed. Mm. Um, there was a very early on. Uh, conversation I was having with my counselor about, you know. Um, she started asking, you know, do you think you do you think you have a problem? No, you don't. You know, well, do you think you can stop for for thirty days? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, whatever. And and we eventually got we, we eventually got it broken down to, can you stop for a day? Yeah. You know, well, yeah, it's easy. That's all you got to do. Uh huh. It's just one day. Huh. Just today. And she broke it down for me like that. And so it became simple. It was like, well, I can do this for a day. Sure. This yeah. isn't a problem. Right. You know. Um, so in that six-week time frame, I, 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 um, I spent a lot of time in pajamas still. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, the thinking time of, like, not not doing what I was supposed to be doing, apparently. But I, I was probably out of my clothes more than I was in them. Um, but things started to kind of click and things started to, um, not that I was like gung ho about this at all. Yeah. Cause right. I don't have a problem. Yeah. I still don't have a mm-hmm. problem. And I'm, I'm still kind of in that denial thing, but mm-hmm. I realized in order to get out, I need to, I need to kind of walk the walk, so yeah. to speak in order. Yeah. Otherwise they could keep me here. Friggin For who forever. knows how long. Right. Yeah. So, so I started doing this and, and. And I can I can kind of remember look, the the place where I was at had the had this huge gymnasium and the twelve steps were painted up on the wall. Mm-hmm. It was gigantic, and I mm-hmm. can remember sitting in that in that gymnasium at one point, looking up at these twelve steps, and I'm like, I remember consciously thinking, "There's no way that this is going to work." Right. <laughs> there is failure <laughs> written throughout this whole thing. I got nothing to lose because right. I, I, you know what? Yeah. So now I'm smart enough to go. Yeah. If I get through this thing, I can get out. Right. Number one. Right. Number two, they're gonna say you didn't apply yourself. Right. So 
now my brain, my, my, my yeah. best thinking is working against me yeah. without me knowing it. Right. And I say, damn it, they're not going to say that to me. Right. I am going to do these to the best of my ability. Sure. When it fails, I told you so. Right. You know, because I know it's right. going to fail. Right. I know it's not going right. to work. Mm-hmm. I got nothing to worry about. And here I am 34 years later. And that's amazing to me because, you know, <laughs> the the idea that they're planting these seeds and sort of you're, you're sort of begrudgingly sort of acting on this, these concepts, the one day at a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of stupid, but okay. Yeah, I'll do that. And... Uh, then there's these 12 steps and that's the most ridiculous set of steps I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, there is crazy. no way. There is just no way that that, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. That is just plain stupid. But I'll do it to prove you that it's stupid yeah. and that it doesn't work. That it's not going to work. Right, exactly. Uh, and then I'll so, go back to the way I'm used to living. Right? Exactly. So, and I, and I, I don't know if I, I definitely set out, I'm going to do this one day at a time sort of thing. And I can understand that concept. And I think I, I might've given myself even a time frame in there of like, I'm going to do this for a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if it's not working, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know? And so I got a, I got a sponsor, you know, in quotation marks appointed to me before I left and then uh, I got out and and so my I wasn't ready to go home yet my parents wanted to put me into a halfway house sure because they were by this time they were done with me you know? <laughs> they really were yeah um and for whatever goofy reason... For five I, years of the shenanigans right, that you were putting the, them up the with. The hell that yeah. I put them through, <laughs> right. they didn't want me back. <laughs> and I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. You know, what the heck, man? Yeah. I'm yeah. not... So anyway... <laughs> and it's um, funny because you probably don't... But the... Uh, I, it, their recollection... Um, likely was a lot clearer about all the things that they had to oh, deal yeah. with, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. you're we're in, you're in this self-centered and you you said I was in my own little and, world. And I'm not that bad. Right. I know right. that in my head. Right. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I was probably putting them through just Exactly. And I'm not and it's only really affecting me. It's not affecting anybody else. Exactly. Right. But exactly yeah. the denial. So anyway, so I'm appointed this sponsor. And uh, told the you know the, the the general rule: go to meetings, find a sponsor, yep. work the program, blah yep. blah blah. You're on your own. Yep. yep. So, um, so anyway, so back to this thing: they couldn't put me into a halfway house for some reason, so they ended up putting me into into foster care. Okay. So I'm back in my hometown, but it's still a pretty good sized town, and uh, and so now I'm living with this family that I don't know. Right. I don't have any clue, but <laughs> right. they're like gonna put me up in this room for a while, and and I'm gonna live there. And continue to see, you know, I got an aftercare program type of thing, and and I got to go to meetings and and this and that. So now all of a sudden the meetings became an escape again mm. of like get me out of this this place that I don't really belong. It's in. Uncomfortable situation, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so I think you know again I. The, the recollection, the memory there probably isn't accurate, but <clears throat> to me it was like the first day. I'm like, well, psh, 
I'm going to go find a meeting because this is stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I did, and we ended up, I ended up living not too far away from, like, the central, like, the A group there. Right. You know? Yeah. And there was, where there was a meeting every single day. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes multiple meetings a day. Sure. In this one building. Okay. And it was, it was an easy five-minute walk. Sure. So you anytime know? you wanted to kind of get out of. Anytime I wanted to get out. But yeah. more importantly than that, what I wandered into was um, after I start showing up to a few meetings, I start mm-hmm. I start seeing people that I go to school with. Sure, yeah. Yep. That I used to use with, right. even. I'm right. like, holy crap, you're sober. <laughs> exactly. That's, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Dude, no. I didn't plan that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I fell into, I had a whole group of people now that were sober right. and young like I was. Right. That I could like hang out with and do right. fun stuff with, right. and we'd go to meetings together right. and we'd have parties afterwards, and it was all about the fellowship. Yeah, which is it cool. was amazing. Yeah, which is great. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so at some point along those lines, I uh, it's, it was uh, maybe not so bad being so it wasn't bad. Yeah, right. You know, it right. wasn't it wasn't as horrible as I thought it was going to be. Right. And You know, a year or so into this, I started kind of, it's, it's, so I want to back up to my sponsor thing because I've had some contact with him, but now I, now all of a sudden he's disappeared. Sure. I'm, I'm basically sponsorless okay. at this point. All right. And, uh, and there's all this talk about being, a, you know, having a sponsor and getting somebody and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I'm still like, I'm still in this kind of searching mode. Something I'm looking for something. Sure, sure. Right now, staying sober based on fellowship and yeah, you know, and and, and the meetings. And the meetings. That, you know, the meetings. I mean, we're we're step meetings mm-hmm. and, and topic meetings or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we get to talk and this mm-hmm. and that, and mm-hmm. and I get to meet some people and and hang out with them. And it's yeah, but not it's working all any about steps. The, yeah, but not working well, any steps proper <clears throat> at this point. Not properly, yeah. no, no. But kind of through. Getting introduced to them through well, osmosis and people are talking about it. You know, and, I found that even if you don't work steps and you continue to show up in the meetings, mm-hmm. eventually it forces you to do that. Right. It forces you to work the steps because right. now all of a sudden you want to, I don't know what they're talking about. Right. What in the hell do right. I have? What's it amend? Right. What do I and have And they're talking to about do? personal experience, about right? And they're and talking I'm about like, when I made my amend. Yeah. When I did my fourth step. So I guess I was, in a way, I was kind of searching out a sponsor, but I wasn't mm-hmm. really aware of that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I didn't have any kind of preconceived notions about sobriety or... or and how long or, are you sober AA. at this point? What's... I, you know... I'm, Six months, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. six months, yeah. year. I don't yeah. know. It's um, amazing to be. So anyway, so I, I had found. Um, so there's a there's a couple other groups that happen in this town, and I wandered mm-hmm. into this one, and 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 uh, it was called the Serenity Group, and they met down in the in the basement of this this private school, and uh, so I wandered in there, and and here was a bunch of people and a few young people that I that I kind of hung out with, and it was a really good group. I liked it. And I went back, I went back uh, for the next, you know, the next week and um, still a good group. Went back the week after that, still a good group. Mm-hmm. Went back the week after that, nobody there. Well, that's strange. So I left and uh, went back the next week, nobody there. All right, that's weird. So maybe, I don't know, something happened. Um, 
<clears throat> so I start going back to the other place again. Around this time, my my uh, my foster mom comes to me and she says, <clears throat> "We've been talking with your therapist, and we're we decided that uh, you know you're you're using meetings as a way to to get out of the house and to you know." differentiate your to, to segregate yourself from the family unit that you're supposed to be trying to be a part of again right and <clears throat> so we're only going to allow you to go to one meeting a week and i was probably going to five or six at this point sure you know mm-hmm. whatever and uh so i said okay and in my brain, I hear this little voice saying, remember, you said you would go to any length for your sobriety. And I was like, hmm, we'll do whatever it takes to stay sober. And to me, that's what it took was I need to go to meetings. Uh-huh. So I looked there and I said, well, okay, I'm going to go tonight. And I left and I never came back. <laughs> that was the end of my stay in my foster <laughs> parent. I'm like... Because of now it's like it's starting to kind of work, I guess. Yeah. You know? And I'm starting to figure out, yeah, it's not so bad. Right. Um, and one of the things was, I think is amazing as we talk about this is that so many stories that, that I've been exposed to have these sort of really profound surrender moments. And one of the one of the really unique things and one of the things I want to call it in your story so far is that there isn't this you know, profound surrender moment. It's a process. It is definitely the epitome of this sort of gradual sort of awakening well, there, that you're having. There, there, there was a surrender um, because I, I started to realize pretty, I guess, somewhat early on that, that you know, the life I was leading was pretty crazy. Mm. And... The craziness part I didn't want to go back to. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to figure out how to manage this. How do mm-hmm. I? How can I? How can I? Uh, how can I get high and drunk without having the crazy all the shit heat going on? and all yeah. the garbage, all the consequences yeah, right. and crap. Yeah. I didn't want that back. Yeah. I didn't want that. You didn't want that part of I it. I didn't back, want that part of it back it. at all. Mm-hmm. And so I guess you know in that in that treatment process was a matter it was a matter of learning and understanding this disease and understanding how it affects people and and understanding and could, if you went back right, that stuff was inevitably going to follow right and I could certainly see the progression I learned about the progression there you know in that nine weeks and two days thing right um, and I could totally see me going mm. that road even mm-hmm. though I hadn't gone that far down that road but I could see me going that road and I I knew I was like man I don't want to you know did you see people prison that kind of scares me yeah, I don't right. really want to go there yeah. did you see people that were advanced and down the line and and did you feel like that could be you absolutely yeah okay absolutely um yeah in fact i was i was surrounded by that and think, yeah okay so so i'm glad you brought that up so there was again so there was you know there was maybe 10 or 12 people in my group mm-hmm. in treatment. The treatment mm-hmm. center was a lot bigger than that, mm-hmm. so there was about five or six other groups. Um, I got to know a lot of people in that yeah. short amount of time, and mm-hmm. you form this bond, I guess. No doubt. You know, kind of brotherly bond. No doubt. Um, you're spending so much time together yeah, and sharing really... Really deep yeah, stuff. Right. That, you know. So I'm connected to these yeah. people. 
And so the last treatment center I was in and the first one, you know, I, I had within the first year of my sobriety, I'd say six of them died. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was huge. That wow. was a huge impact on me. It was I like, bet. holy crap, you actually die from this thing. Yeah, right. That was a huge awakening. Mm-hmm. And and they weren't all they weren't all the seventy year old guys that have been drinking for right, right. For, right. for forty, fifty years. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys were young. One of them was you know, one of them was was in the place I was at the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was he was like seventeen, eighteen, mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. gone. Another girl mm-hmm. was uh, in the in the last place, and yeah, you know, yeah, I just had way too many of those. Yeah, and, and first, so was, there was this sort of harsh reality year. that slapped you, right? Yeah. Like okay, yeah, 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 and yeah. So there was a realization there that yeah, this, yeah. this this is. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the way out, where we share stories from people just like you who have recovered from alcoholism and other addictions. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. Or drop your host a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. There you can also find links to previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podcast Garden. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, contact me at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety day will.